What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to Chapter 232 of the QAnon Anonymous Podcast, the Durham Deactivated episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rogatansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View. The second-to-last Q-drop of 2020, before January 6th and a long silence, consisted of just one word. Durham. This referred to special counsel John Durham, who was tasked with investigating the origins of Crossfire Hurricane, which in turn was the FBI investigation into possible Trump-Russia links. Now, I remember this period of time because Durham was considered a white hat, and I saw a lot of people putting this weird man and his, like, bizarre fucking beard formation next to the Punisher skull and going, it makes sense, he literally looks like a sentient Punisher skull. And, I mean, (laughs) only if it's lived through some stuff. This is another case for me of looking at a very annoying and inconsequential human being and having to think maybe he'll fix this for us. And of course he won't. So after three and a half years, the investigation ended with just one guilty plea from an ex-FBI lawyer and a report that scolds the FBI's actions, which I'm sure they take very personally. Today, we're gonna take a look at some of the contents of that 300 plus page report and how the QAnon community is reacting to, well, let's just say another thing not really quite coming true for them. And I think this came true even less. I, you know, maybe the, maybe their hopes weren't sky high on this after all of yeah. these years, but this this dwindled out in a way that that even I, I I am a little bit surprised at. You know, you would think that there would be some you know political sort of indictments maybe that don't really go anywhere, some recommendations just so you can have something to spin in the media or whatever. But like there was very little uh, justice uh, if I'm putting myself in the in the you know brain of a QAnon believer. Slim pickings, much like the skull of Durham himself. Well, yeah, I think I think there's really one way you can judge these kinds of um, investigations is that how much high quality content do they actually produce? The Mueller investigation produced years worth of shocking content. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's like true. Social media and the MSM. Great content event. The Durham investigation content wise was a desert. It's bullshit. Like we didn't get anything there. Damn it. This magical gleaming skull didn't give us the, the word to fix America. <laughs> Sad. We'll also be speculating if this means we can move on from Trump's election or if we're just going to do 2016 forever. And because this is our podcast, we got to talk a little bit before that about uh, cum, pure cum. Do you have pure cum? Is your cum good? Hello, Patreon subscribers and those considering subscribing on Patreon. We now have an annual subscription where you can save some money and uh, just decide you want to listen to this show for the next 365 days, which, you know, obviously is madness. uh, But uh, hey, you know what you're here for. Go and check it out at patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous. We appreciate you quick QAnon news segment, because there are lots of things going on, actually, in the extended QAnon universe beyond just Durham. For example, uh, recently, Clay Clark, he took his reawakened tour to uh, Mar-a-Lago in Florida. So we previously talked to uh, reporter Sam Kestenbaum about that nightmare of a traveling event. And during the festivities, uh, none other than Donald Trump called in to tell General Michael Flynn that uh, he wants to bring Flynn back to the White House. Yes, we won. Boys, for years we've tried to get our beautiful boy back in by seducing Trump with great stories where the man sounds Scottish. (laughs) And here we are. We succeeded. Yeah. uh, Yeah. If Michael Flynn somehow worms his way into the vice presidency, um, 
Look, this, it's gonna be a lot of it's gonna be a lot more voices. All right, There's a lot more stories. I promise. <laughs> yeah, and he's gonna worm his way into our hearts. General Flynn, he's some general, he's some man. He took abuse like nobody could have handled, and he came out bigger, better, stronger than ever before. We love him. He's a leader, and uh, you just stay wealthy and healthy and well and everything. I want you to have great lives in general. You just have to stay healthy because we're bringing you back. We're gonna bring you back. <laughs> My wife's going crazy. Well, we're proud of you, General. <laughs> oh, my God. He's playing him on speaker? And this is, yeah. oh. He's some general. He's some man. He's some form of human being. He's some form of Tootsie Roll falling down my screen on Candy Crush. The general, you stay wealthy and loaded uh, from all, all of the money that you've uh, <laughs> you fundraised uh, from people who believe that you're fighting the deep state behind the scenes. Uh, we, we, we can't wait to have you back. It's like he was forced to record the message. He's just like filling it in with shit. It's like a know? cameo. They pay him like $300 to do like a <laughs> yes! General Flynn cameo yes! and they're like pretend like we're calling you right now <laughs> oh my god they've had to pay Trump to do this as a cameo that is really the vibe but I mean this is the kind of thing that Trump would probably follow through on sure who knows not only that like the number of people who are willing to hitch their wagon to Trump is dwindling because like he, he almost got his vice president killed yeah. I mean you have to like really be super loyal to Trump in order to stick along with them. And for high up people, it's got to be the people that he pardoned. I mean, that's part of what he was buying with those pardons. Yeah. He was buying loyalty. Mr. Flynn, Mr. Flynn, I want it to be clear that I would tell the crowd not to kill you. I would <laughs> tell them not to hang you. Yeah, Trump is like in some back room talking with his advisors and he's like, the problem is, <laughs> he's like, we need a vice president with military training. <laughs> Somebody who can withstand a, a, a horrible attack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is, I guess, like, people in general love Flynn in the pilled and red-pilled uh, circles. So, you know, I mean, this is going to be, if this does happen, and, uh, you know, I mean, you know, we're, we've got a, a couple things between, you know, here, here and, and there, which is the primary, then the general, then the forming of the cabinet, and he still has to follow through at that point. Yeah. But, uh, man, to have Mike... Michael Flynn back back up there in the stars. Even though, like, it was he, like, Flynn didn't get fired and Trump was like, what do you mean you fired him? What? what where is it? Like, it was like he was part of that decision. Yeah, so it's like he course. fired him and now he's like, no, he was like, we, we welcome you back with open Well, arms. to be honest, I think he kind of fired him thinking, well, if I fire this fucking guy, it'll just get rid of the Russia thing. And then he realized, oh, no, the media's not going to let that go. And yeah. I'd, I'd say to the media's detriment in the long run. But now he's like, well, now that we know that Russia Russia, Russia, Russia was a hoax. We can welcome back General Michael <laughs> Flynn. I'm sorry that I was a really bad friend to you and I immediately fired you to try to like detach this Russia thing like a piece of shit from the bottom of my shoe. And I, I'm sorry about that. But uh, you, you'll come back, right? Because you have no dignity. It, <laughs> yeah, if Trump thinks that, you know, at, at least playing like, you know, Flynn is going to serve some major part in, in his, you know, potential future administration, you know, to combine their two fan bases, you you know, is a, a smart political move. Yeah, I, it is sad that he could only get him on speakerphone because, you know, if it was better planned and Trump cared more, he'd have like a little message, right? He'd look like presidential up there. Yeah, he'd have a video. He'd have a video. That's what he does even for fucking cults. 
Yeah, but I <laughs> like, think MAGA likes to call in. It's kind of like, oh, let me get, oh, I'm friends with so-and-so. Let me get my buddy on the phone. Yeah, you can see that we're friends, you know? I think they like that kind of, it, it's kind of a, a grounded, sort of down-to-earth, sort of like the homies on speakerphone. I don't know. I, maybe but it doesn't sound that way. It sounds like a fucking, it sounds like a, a person with dementia trying to remember who their grandson is and like they're in <laughs> their fucking man, well wishes. Some it's general, like, somebody. He's somebody. He's great. He's a, he's a real person out there. I hear he smiles. I hear he walks. He likes to eat food sometimes. I wish you well. I wish you money. I wish you uh, success. I wish you health. He's like wealth and health. We're bringing you back. And it's not clear what for. But uh, hopefully it's the army, the ground army that uh, Trump is uh, is raising. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe in the end, Devolution was right. Maybe Flynn actually is like in charge of a shadow army. Obviously, yeah, you're right. A lot, lot of stuff has to happen before Flynn uh, gets in the White House again. But uh, so before that happens, Flynn is getting that bag. He recently put oh, yeah. his name behind an anti-vax community slash obvious pyramid scheme called For the Pure. This was recently reported by Claire Goforth for The Daily Dot. This come does doesn't run. I'm a true patriot. There's no watery. It's very, very, very dense. Look, it sticks, folks. All right. <laughs> All right. It sticks on your clothes. It sticks on the wall. It sticks on the side of the sink. Okay. It's not running anywhere. It's not running away. It's not running away. <laughs> trying to get into a vagina. It's oh staying my God. right where what? I right oh. where I aim it. Jesus Christ. Apologies. For the Pure is billed as a community for health-conscious individuals who have rejected the COVID-19 vaccine. Members are promised the opportunity to find physicians, lovers, surrogates, okay. sperm and blood donors, and jobs with fellow anti-vaxxers. Nice. This is how the general has pitched For the Pure. My name is General Mike Flynn, and I'm honored to announce an opportunity to support a new freedom movement sweeping across the nation. For the Pure is an online community meant to connect like-minded individuals who courageously stood against the COVID-19 jab campaign. Our programs will be used for news updates, friendships, dating, and business networking. The team at For the Pure are recruiting founding members who will help educate and elevate the world to engender the change we desire. We aim to unite pro-freedom communities around the nation. The Founders Club includes a lifetime membership to this incredibly important community. Members will receive many VIP perks, including a perpetual 25% discount on all products and events sponsored by For The Pure, along with an invitation to retreats, conferences, and seminars with some of the most informed experts in the world. Wow, really inspiring stuff. He seems really pumped up for this. He's not just cashing a check. Yeah, yeah, super enthusiastic. I, it's like I have to imagine when he was like in the Afghanistan telling like Stanley McChrystal where to send fire teams to go and like fucking kill people. He wasn't hoping, oh, you know, one day I hope I can fucking pitch, you know, a club for pure cum in, the, in a couple decades, you know? Incredible stuff. Now that uh, reawaken tour, now that really had much the same kind of like a election denial, had anti-vax belief and like uh, evangelical apocalyptic nonsense that is promoted at every reawaken America event. But it also featured some nonsense that was kind of new to me. For example, uh, there was one woman who was speaking about highly technologically advanced mermaids and water people who were spreading <laughs> wickedness. She then calls for hand-to-hand -hand combat. <laughs> Well, it can't it can't be foot combat. You can't be a kickboxer and a mermaid. That much we know. There's wickedness attempting to completely cover this nation in perversion and seductive seducing spirits. I have never seen more images of more mermaids and water people in my life. That's a division in the kingdom of darkness, and they're highly technologically advanced. Oh and we God. have to understand what we're dealing with. 
And we have to understand the rules of engagement in spiritual warfare. And we are meant for hand-to-hand -hand combat. And we are meant to bring our cries before the throne of God to bring judgment on the rulers of darkness of this world and of this nation. Because the rulers have set up a throne in this nation. They've set it up. Darkness has completely covered and eclipsed the White House of this nation. Okay, this I'm pretty sure is Ursula in a costume. And she's like, <laughs> we gotta kill Ariel. We have to kill her, folks. And everyone's just dead silent. Like, wait, what's happening? Mermaids? Hand-to-hand -hand combat? Look, she's got a lot of stuff and it's very neat, but um, she's got to be executed. Recently, a majorly pilled actor, Jim Caviezel, appeared on Steve Bannon's network, Real America's Voice, in order to promote his upcoming film, Sound of Freedom. And uh, uh, during his appearance, Caviezel talked about adrenochrome and QAnon. This is so cool. Why would you continue? to listen to a media that's lying to you every day. You know, a couple of years ago, I, I, I'm on talking about adrenochrome. You can't say that word. You cannot say anything bad on George Soros. Do you know that he, know, he owns many of these companies like the Daily Beast? Boy, they sure had their fun tearing me apart. I lost my agents 17 years and my other agent of 15 years because they listen to them and there's a big storm coming and they know it. So they have to go and threaten you with everything from Q and on or whatever they want to say. Do you know what Q really means? It means question. That's what one of these people told me. And I said, well, that, that seems like a good thing. Anon, question, right? Anons then go out and research it to see if it's true because we've been sped, fed their lies. Think about Monday. What happened? A Durham report was dropped. The FBI, the CIA, the whole, all of these guys are involved. Now, I know it's not all of them. The lower guys are probably just crying. But I'm asking you warriors to come out and tell the truth. Dude, oh my who God. is forcing him to take his calls in his private little theater room? And what has he been doing? He looks bloated and, and very distressed and tired. Not great, buddy. He is so fucking pilled. I mean, profoundly. Yeah. I mean, he's all the way, he's all the way down the rabbit hole. Also, what is this question? Is yeah, question on. Question, is that, it's supposed to rhyme with QAnon? Question? Yeah, that's a stretch. Very strange. Rudy Giuliani was also in the news. Now, people might not remember this, but at one point, America's mayor was a major part of the QAnon narrative. There's one Q drop from April 2018, which implied that Giuliani was going to get Mueller to end his investigation into Trump, which would allow him to continue the investigation supposedly into Clinton's crimes. This was based on the Mueller white hat theory, which was kind of popular at the time. What happens to the special counsel? Rudy met with Mueller today. Coincidence? Connect. Public announcement. End of POTUS investigation? Continue with other investigations? Stage set? Support growing? Strategic? Planned? We have it all. Welcome to the White House. Q. So, turns out that uh, Rudy is not helping the Q team, and uh, the only high-level perversion that he's going to help expose is his own, if a recent lawsuit is to be believed. So, former employee of Rudy Giuliani, Noel Dunphy, says that Giuliani demanded sexual favors and made several anti-Semitic and racist remarks during, quote, confused and hostile alcohol-laced tirades. Giuliani <laughs> denies these allegations, but if true, they are pretty horrifying. For example, here's how the lawsuit says that Giuliani controlled what Dunphy wore. Giuliani often demanded that she work naked, in a bikini, or in short shorts with an American flag on them that he bought for her. When they were apart, they would often work remotely via video conference. And during those conferences, Giuliani almost always asked her to remove her clothes on camera. 
What? 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 Yeah, it it gets worse than that. So the lawsuit also says that Giuliani sometimes asked Dunphy to perform oral sex while he was on the phone. Already pretty horrifying, but it gets even worse when you read the reason why he made these demands. He often demanded oral sex while he took phone calls on speakerphone from high-profile friends and clients, including then-President Trump. Giuliani told Miss Dumphy that he enjoyed engaging in this conduct while on the telephone because it made him, quote, feel like Bill Clinton. Dude. Wow. Holy shit. I mean, stomach churning, obviously, this kind of abuse, but it's also kind of revealing how Republicans actually feel about Bill Clinton's sexual misconduct. You know, publicly, they're horrified <laughs> that Clinton sexually exploited an intern while taking phone calls in the Oval Office. How low can you go? Absolutely inexcusable, disgusting, but privately, they think it's really cool. Yeah, they want to emulate, they want to role play as Bill Clinton. I want to say that this is a very dark day for Italians everywhere, obviously, our <laughs> conduct is coming to light and it's not great <laughs> but i want you to know that you know travis with his kind of viking style excellence did in one paragraph spell the word giuliani guilini guilini and guliani so he has disrespected italians enough guil nanny actually there's another one here that's good and i like that and i think it's right and we deserve it you know here's the thing is like i don't talk about things that the audience can't see like i don't talk about how fucking hideous you look today because it's not relevant to our show <laughs> and it's not something other people see i'm not going to ruin people's experience of this podcast by explaining your sunken aging visage so um yeah Disclaimer, Julian looks really cute today, actually, and you love him. <laughs> okay. The lawsuit goes on to talk about Rudy Giuliani's love of the show Billions. <laughs> On March 3rd, 2019, Giuliani explained that he fantasized about Wendy Rhodes in the popular television show Billions, stating, quote, she wears all that black shit. She's got a whip and an electric prod. Miss Dumphy made it clear that she was not interested and immediately changed the subject, commenting on the mosquitoes outside. These statements were recorded. <laughs> wow, so he wants, he wants his little nuts stepped on. Yeah. This is a classic little uh, Italian sub. What's also really interesting, besides the, you know, the horrifying sexual abuse allegations, is that the lawsuit basically says that Giuliani confessed to the Stop the Steal plans before the election. Giuliani told Miss Dumphy in her capacity as his employee about a plan that had been prepared for if Trump lost the 2020 election. Specifically, Giuliani told Miss Dumphy that Trump's team would claim that there was, quote, voter fraud and that Trump had actually won the election. The plan was discussed at several business meetings with Giuliani and Lev Parnas. Another cool name that we're never going to stop hearing about. Well, that was great, Travis, man. QAnon News is really fucking... Holy hell. <laughs> Fuck. I want to feel like Bill Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Flynn is getting better. Jim Caviezel's getting worse. Yeah. These are bad directions that we're, we're headed in. All right. So on to the Durham report. So Durham was tasked with examining whether there was adequate predication for the FBI to open the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. Now, if you recall, that was launched after the FBI received a tip from an Australian diplomat, which said that the Trump staffer, George Papadopoulos, was in contact with a Maltese professor who told Papadopoulos that the Russian government was in possession of thousands of emails that were supposedly damaging to Hillary Clinton. 
The Durham investigation also examined whether the opening of the probe was consistent with FBI policy and also whether there, there's any evidence that the actions of the FBI or third parties violated the law, and also whether the Justice Department provided false information on applications for electronic surveillance. Durham is someone who's like investigated like the CIA and FBI misconduct before, so it's, it's plausible that you would like, you know, find something really interesting, but it didn't really happen. So uh, Durham and his team, they conducted more more than 480 interviews, reviewed more than a million documents, executed seven search warrants, and with the grand jury, served more than 190 subpoenas. John Durham's report concluded that the Justice Department and the FBI failed to uphold their important mission of strict fidelity to the law about the events related to the 2016 election. He also found senior FBI personnel displayed a serious lack of analytical rigor towards the information they received, especially information received from politically affiliated persons and entities. And he concluded that the FBI had relied heavily on investigative leads provided by Trump opponents. One issue with these findings is that they're mostly not new. Much of this information that was disclosed in Durham's report had already been revealed in the 2019 examination conducted by the Justice Department Inspector General into the origins of the FBI's probe. That investigation identified several uh, procedural errors, but overall concluded that political bias didn't play a role into the origins of the investigation. This is so funny, though. We, we, we should stop and just appreciate that we're talking about an investigation of an investigation. We are, yeah. we are incepting ourselves deeper into the promises of justice. An evidently redundant investigation into an investigation. So we're just getting deeper it. and deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. So the thing about the Durham investigation, which made it different than the inspector general, though, is that he had the power to prosecute if he thought there was enough evidence of a crime, right? So he actually, he pursued the prosecutions of just three people, and two of those people were acquitted, and the third was a former FBI lawyer, uh, Kevin Kleinsmith, and he pleaded guilty for altering an email. He was sentenced to probation, so not the not that much of a bombshell. And uh, in, in fact, remember, in 2020, there was a Q-drop that directly referenced Kevin Kleinsmith, basically implied that his arrest was the first arrest that would lead to more and greater arrests. Of course, that didn't happen. Although it did predict that they always fuck the contractor first. Right. Overall, you know, the years of investigations for me brought to mind the concluding scene of a burn after reading Coen Brothers film. We, we actually watched on the podcast before. So in that scene, J.K. Simmons is playing a CIA supervisor and he's briefed on the, the chaotic end of the basically the stories of the main characters. He asks, you know, what did we learn? He says, like, well, we learned to not do it again. And that's that's basically what happened. A bunch of things yeah. happened. It was very chaotic. And they learned uh, not to go through all that nonsense again. Yeah, no, manila folders don't clap very well when they close. <laughs> now, reading the report, so the, the key to this investigation, the Durham investigation, was something called the Clinton Plan. And this was based on Russian government intelligence that made its way to American intelligence. And the Russians assessed, per then CIA director John Brennan's summarized notes, that Hillary Clinton had approved a plan to, quote, vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by Russian security services. However, U.S. intelligence community did not know whether this Russian assessment was accurate. But, uh, you know, they, they considered it anyway. So the Durham report explains why this Clinton plan intelligence was relevant to his investigation. The Clinton plan intelligence itself and on its face arguably suggested that private actors affiliated with the Clinton campaign were seeking in 2016 to promote a false or exaggerated narrative to the public and to U.S. government agencies about Trump's possible ties to Russia. Given the significant quantity of materials the FBI and other government agencies did in fact receive during the 2016 presidential 
presidential election season and afterwards that originated with and or were funded by the Clinton campaign or affiliated persons, i.e. the Steele dossier reports, the Alpha Bank allegations, and the Yodaphone allegations. Yodaphone. Baby Yodaphone. <laughs> the Clinton plan intelligence prompted the office to consider, one, whether there was in fact a plan by the Clinton campaign to tie Trump to Russia in order to, quote, stir up a scandal in advance of the 2016 presidential election, and two, if such a plan existed, whether an aspect or component of that plan was to intentionally provide knowingly false and or misleading information to the FBI or such agencies in furtherance of such a plan. That's so cool. It's like, yeah, no, we know that both candidates are going to be feeding criminal uh, information to the, you know, these uh, agencies in an attempt to fuck their rivals. The question is, is it true? <laughs> is the information good? I love that. Now, most of the Durham report is pretty dry, but there is some drama in the section that describes how some FBI agents were just torn up because they didn't see the Clinton plan intelligence and they didn't know about it. The office showed portions of the Clinton plan intelligence to a number of individuals who were actively involved in the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. Most advised they had never seen the intelligence before, and some expressed surprise and dismay upon learning of it. For example, the original supervisory special agent on the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, Supervisory Special Agent 1, reviewed the intelligence during one of his interviews with the office. After reading it, Supervisory Special Agent 1 became visibly upset and emotional, left the interview room with his counsel, and subsequently returned to state emphatically that he had never been apprised of the Clinton plan intelligence and had never seen the aforementioned referral memo. Supervisory Special Agent 1 expressed a sense of betrayal that no one had informed him of the intelligence. When the office cautioned Supervisory Special Agent 1 that we had not verified or corroborated the accuracy of the intelligence and its assertions regarding the Clinton campaign, Supervisory Special Agent 1 responded firmly that regardless of whether its contents were true, he should have been informed of it. Owned. Clinton owned your ass. <laughs> so at least some of the people who were involved in the early days of Crossfire Hurricane, according to the Durban investigation, were not impressed by the quality of the evidence. This disappointment was exemplified by a text exchange between the FBI's assistant legal attache in London and someone who's referred to as a supervisory special agent one. This text exchange happened on August 11th, 2016, and relates to the FBI's communication with British intelligence about the intel that they had about a possible Trump-Russia links. Dude, are we telling them everything we know, or is there more to this? That's all we have. Not holding anything back. Damn, that's thin. I know. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, that rules. So in layman's terms, like, what's, what's happening here? Like, what is happening? I, I'm not really, like, you know, I, yeah. I don't really follow. Travis, could you just break down in, like, a very simple way, like, what this means? Sure, sure. So, yeah, basically, these, these are two people affiliated with, you know, the, the FBI. And they're basically going to tell their British calendar parts what they know about the, the intelligence, why they're pursuing this investigation. I guess it's like a Five Eyes kind of thing, where they just, everyone in this right. alliance just shares the intel they have so everyone knows what's their going on with what they know about Russia. And the FBI's assistant legal attache is asking, wait a minute, is, that, is this everything? Do, is there anything more substantial than, than this? And they're going, bro, 
No, I'm telling you, this is it. This rules because it seems like there's two things that are thin. One of them is that the kind of intelligence that backs up the idea that Clinton had this plan to tie Donald Trump to Russia, which I, I honestly don't doubt, is thin and kind of shoddy. And then the other thing is that it's shoddy that Trump is actually connected to Russia. So like they're sitting in this like shit pool of fucking, uh, you know, political ambition and manipulation. I don't know. I think this does kind of reveal a, a kind of ugly aspect because I think Russia gave would have been a very different thing if early on we knew that there was this piece of intelligence floating around. Well, and also, if the guy is saying that it sucks that the evidence they have is so thin it can't definitely tie Trump to Russia, I mean, that sort of goes against what you're supposed to do as an investigator and, like, you know, you don't have an opinion about the— <laughs> you don't have an opinion about, oh, man, the evidence doesn't prove what I was hoping. I mean, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure that that is—that uh, happens all the time. I mean, you watch the first 48, you know, if they've got a suspect in mind and all of a sudden, the you know, the evidence comes up and, and it clears them or their alibi checks out. They're like, ah, man, they're disappointed that they can't nail the person that they thought was guilty of the crime with the crime. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me, but it is, you know, it is weird in the midst of a, a presidential campaign. Well, I mean, it must have been really hard for these FBI agents to be in the middle of investigating Trump and then realize that there's actually also intelligence out there showing that Hillary was planning this no matter what, and that she was going to kind of give some flimsy evidence to the FBI and hope that it uh, carried through and at least created a scandal. So they're, they're just like between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, Travis, I mean, aesthetically at least, this is kind of damning of the, the Clinton campaign's attempts to tie Trump to Russia more than it is damning of Russia and Trump. I don't know. I mean, but I think everyone's just going to see a win here no matter what. Well, no, I mean, like they talked about, it's like the intelligence that they got about like a secret Clinton plan was, I guess, was kind of thin. It was like, I'm not sure how much you could separate a secret plan to basically dispear your opponent from just regular politics and it's like well they think that you know he's not he's not friendly to america he's not loyal to america that's just political messaging man i understand that but i think that it is still relevant to the public which probably before this time was not aware that campaigns were feeding information to the fbi to try to get their opponents embroiled in scandals by opening mm. investigations even if they knew they might not lead to anything yeah yeah i guess yeah it's like it sucks because like nobody wants to defend trump on this like yeah there's there was a you know i i get that you're going to want to do anything to try to keep this guy from becoming president but like well not only that if you're even if even if you are you know some sort of the, the platonic ideal of a perfectly neutral you know federal police officer then is like if you get some some evidence that suggests like a political candidate is possibly you know uh, colluding with um, someone who's uh, hostile to the country and you don't pursue it and you know and it winds up being true and you you had an opportunity to expose it and you didn't it's yeah. like then that's just not you doing your job I mean, that's if you're like counter intel. Well, yeah, but then if you're going to separate it on the lines of patriotism, then it's like, doesn't it harm the country to use the FBI as a kind of, you know, bouncing board to launch investigations into your opponent and stuff? I mean, that is yeah. also just as ugly. It just doesn't involve a foreign power, which is exactly why I think the Clinton campaign wanted to emphasize the Russia stuff, because it's like, oh, this makes him a traitor, right? Which is so much more damning than any potential internal manipulation that was uh, kind of put in place. And you know, we do know the Clinton campaign wanted to elevate Trump. So hopefully the idea around the, the Pied Piper candidate thing was we'll elevate him, but we also have this shit to embroil him in like a huge scandal so that he will never reach the presidency. So they fucked up. Yeah, but also I think from the Clinton campaign's perspective, it's like they knew that there was this hack and leak campaign that was designed to hurt Clinton. And there was this, you know, the social media campaign that they knew was 
was designed to sow distrust and as a secondary effect, possibly hurt Clinton. And they knew that like Trump was fine with it. And, and instead of like, you know, so instead they, they try to leverage, I guess, this foreign activity in order to be an asset for the Clinton campaign rather than something that's just hurting them by saying like, oh, okay, yes, it's happening. But also Trump's in on it. That's how they're able to like take a, a negative into um, something that might wind up helping their campaign. Just didn't wind up working well enough as they uh, might, have, might have hoped. Well, and the net result of all this is you don't have a lot of people going around going, yeah, Trump did have some, there were some shady connections possibly, but, you know, the FBI, like, couldn't really find, you know, a plot in place or anything to really, you know, nail him on. But that's not what people walk around believing. I mean, you have a lot of people who who still, you know, every day are on social media or in conversation, you know, talking about how Trump is an asset that he is, you know, that he was compromised. And so it's like even even if all this is just kind of like job shit where it's like, yeah, ah oh, fuck, well if I don't look into this like and it, and it's real, it could be bad and oh shit, well it looks like maybe this other campaign was like feeding in like that's bad too. I got to look into that and like I, I think that's a good point. Point, right, which is that at this point, the real situation is that they have thinly evidenced intelligence that suggests Clinton wants to stick him with the Russia stuff. Mm-hmm. And they have thinly, you know, thin intelligence that Trump is connected to Russia. And that was not what was presented on television. We were given an, enti- an entirely one sided view of this. Nobody yeah. was talking about, oh, is it plausible that uh, Hillary Clinton was planning to do this anyways and, and didn't really mind that it was like, you know, a thin amount of evidence that she was going to do this as like a political move and try to get the FBI involved uh, for political reasons. That was not what was being discussed on like all the, the media and stuff like uh, the certainly like the people that kind of aligned against Trump. So I do think that like that's a bad outcome that happened, I think, like that, that, that people weren't given all sides of this, right? So that even when the FBI found out about the other side internally, they're like, oh shit, this really fucks everything up for me. Uh, you should have told me. You should have fucking told me. You know, they know. They know that this matters. They know that there's mm-hmm. weight there. That's why the guy became came upset and like left and then yeah. came back and was like, you should have fucking told me. I mean, they knew internally that this made them look like a tool and that maybe inadvertently they were being used as a tool. Durham writes that, quote, it seems highly likely that at a minimum, confirmation bias played a significant role in the FBI's acceptance of extraordinarily serious allegations derived from uncorroborated information that had not been subjected to the typical exacting analysis employed by the FBI and other members of the intelligence community. That's why you don't just take in like oppo research and go, well, this is uh, the work's being done for us. Great. You fucking you have to subject it to actual scrutiny, which hopefully the FBI holds itself to high standards in that regard but uh (laughs) The Durham report ends with a short recommendation for the FBI. Uh, He says that they should create the position for an FBI agent or a lawyer to provide oversight of politically sensitive investigations. That person would be tasked with challenging every step of such investigations, including whether officials appropriately adhere to the rules governing applications to the FISA court, which handles matters of national security. Now, the FBI actually responded to the Durham report, and it actually said that the conduct in 2016 and 2017 that Durham examined was, quote, the reason that current FBI leadership already implemented dozens of corrective actions, which now have been in place for some time. Had those reforms been in place in 2016, the missteps identified in the report could have been prevented. Oh, please, please tell us more, actually. Explain what the fuck you're talking about. Is this about the claims of Clinton having a plan or 
the claims of Trump being tied to Russia. What do you mean? What reforms and in what direction? Explain what the fuck happened, you assholes. They can't because they fucked up. These fucking idiots, they fucked up. So I feel like the end of the Durham investigation marks the end of a significant chapter in the QAnon storyline. Because remember, a QAnon was in part a reaction to like the Mueller investigation as it was heating up. And totally. The first Q drop happened to be the day after the first indictment in the Mueller investigation. And so many of the early Q drops were assurances that, you no, know, actually Mueller was a white hat who was secretly taking down Hillary instead of investigating Trump and the trust sessions. And don't worry mm -hmm. about Michael Flynn, you know, getting in indicted because he's just taking a rubber bullet. And I will give Q this. People didn't have to worry about Flynn being convicted because he was pardoned before he could be sentenced. So props to Q on that one. The Durham investigation has been part of the QAnon narrative since 2019. So Durham was just one in a long string of QAnon heroes who were supposed to take down the deep state. So at one point, they were all in on Inspector General Horowitz, and they thought the Horowitz report was going to bring it down. They also believed that uh, the U.S. attorney for Utah, John Huber, would bring severe pain to D.C. That didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so they pivoted to believing that actually it would be John Durham who was going to expose all the deep state crimes. And this led to a lot of John Durham Punisher skull emojis mm -hmm. and beams and shit. Yeah, I just want to say not the Punisher at his peak here, it seems, because <laughs> this man is just like an old guy. Just yeah, it's the guy. older Frank. It's the retired Frank Castle. Mm-hmm. QAnon followers were often very excited that Durham was appointed to his position as the U.S. Attorney for Connecticut on October 28th, 2017. That happens to be the same day as the very first Q drop. Is that a coincidence? Yes, obviously it's a coincidence. Coincidences happen. But QAnon followers were excited anyway. Uh, take, for example, this Q drop from December of 2019. Month slash day Durham initiated. Month slash day Q public campaign initiated. How many coincidences before mathematically impossible? It was over before it began. Q. There's also um, another Q drop that implied that one of the goals of the COVID pandemic, which was, of course, planned in the QAnon world, was to prevent witnesses in the Durham probe from traveling to frustrate the Durham probe because it was so devastating. They unleashed the pandemic just to put an end to that. As a consequence, so this Durham was basically the last great hope. You know, they were expecting the storm from Durham. He was going to discover all the crimes that were committed and Comey would be arrested, Obama would be arrested, Clinton would be arrested, all thanks to Durham. But of course, many commentators on the right were instead very disappointed in how the Durham investigation ended precisely because there were no major arrests. Take, for example, this reaction by by OG QAnon promoter Tracy Beans. This report is terrible so far. I started out very hopeful that Durham would do something. Once the first indictment rolled around, I had completely changed that assessment. People were angry with me for saying it, but it needed to be said. 20 pages in here and I want to slam my computer screen. All of the wrongdoing in the world can be exposed in the next 300 pages, and I will still know that they executed a coup against a sitting president and got away with it. There it is. We are in a world of special counsels. And when a special counsel is appointed to go after the candidate you don't like or the president you don't like, they're a good guy and it's it's valid and it's going to happen. If they're going after somebody that you like, you know, it's it's a sham investigation. It's totally political. You know, it's 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 a bogus investigation. And yet here you have the real report. And when the report comes out, if it doesn't tell you what you want it to, it's 
oh, I well, I still know that I'm right. You know, it's yeah. it's the same on on either sides. One ideology is, I think, far more extreme, obviously, on the QAnon side. But the the practice is the same of you know, oh, this thing didn't bring me what I wanted. Well, I know that that's still true. I'll agree with Tracy Beans on one thing. I want to slam my computer screen. <laughs> <laughs> Now, a lot of QAnon followers, of course, claim that the Durham report vindicated QAnon. Now, you might say that's that's very confusing. There's no storm of high-level mass arrest. There was no revelation that Hillary Clinton is secretly a pedophile Satanist. There's no great awakening in which everyone realizes that QAnon followers were right the whole time. But what some QAnon followers did instead is that they kind of did like a Mott and Bailey argument in which they claimed that the thesis of QAnon was much simpler and more modest than it was in reality. For example, uh, check out this take from QAnon promoter War Clandestine, who, like a lot of QAnon followers, is back on Twitter, on Elon's Twitter. So this is what he said. All right. Someone has to say it. The Durham report confirms the thesis of the Q drops, or as the MSM calls it, the quote QAnon conspiracy theory. The theory was that FBI, DOJ, CIA, MSM, DNC, tech, pharma, etc. were all working together to stop Trump. Is that not what happened? It's not. No, they didn't stop it's Trump. <laughs> it's not. The lefty media types haven't shut up about QAnon in over six years, but no one in the mainstream is willing to point out that the general thesis of the theory just got proven true via official channels, a la Durham as special prosecutor. Seems a little curious, no? Yeah, so, yeah, pretty baffling, because it's like, I feel like at least part of the Q thesis was that Q actually had some sort of contact with or was influenced by someone high in the Trump administration, and this was high-level intelligence. It's not a general, oh, oh, well, it turns out some people in the intelligence community are wrong. That's like, that's not the Q thesis. That's just, that's just like mm-hmm. retconned what the Q thesis are in order to like make uh, QAnon seem more plausible than it actually was. Yeah. Of course, these events inspired a lot of QAnon followers to bake. There were some QAnon followers who noticed that the, you know, the single word Durham Q drop happened on November 13th. 2020. And then the Durham report was delivered to Attorney General Garland exactly like 30 months later. And you'll recall a famous Q drop that said, done in 30. I mean, that's nothing, but QAnon followers are very excited about it. That's what Jake sends me when he goes on the toilet. (laughs) Some people in the conspiracist community are getting a little bit more comfortable with denouncing Q. The release of the Durham report happened to coincide with conspiracist Stu Peters openly denouncing Q. Now, Stu Peters, you might recall, is the host and producer of the film Watch the Water, and that title is derived from a Q drop, so he seems very, you know, QAnon friendly. But a recent post from Stu Peters basically took the Mike Flynn route of calling QAnon a kind of psyop that shouldn't be trusted. Q was an operation run by the U.S. government and its subcontractors. Q manipulated its followers in part by incorporating a heavy dose of superficial messianic religion. Remember, we were always just on the verge of being saved by thousands of sealed indictments that would drop or by the army of Trump's, quote, white hats embedded at the Pentagon. You know who else has been saying that actually all predictions from Q were intentionally false, but that's okay? Praying Medic. So in a recent live stream, Praying Medic basically dismissed all predictions of arrests from QAnon. This happened a few days before the Durham report, but was around the time that the announcement of the Durham report being released was being reported. So it might be a reaction to that. So this is what Praying Medic said. Much of what Q posts is disinformation. Oh, okay. It's not factual. Intentional disinformation. It's intentional disinformation. Okay. Much more of what Q has posted over the last six years, 
a lot more of it is disinformation than most people are comfortable admitting. All right. So I'm just going to, I just have to leave that out there. Q posted a lot of disinformation, especially. So anytime Q posted a prediction about an arrest, it was disinformation. Every single time there was a prediction about an arrest, it was disinformation. Q uses these predictions, these overt predictions to get the deep state to take, to make moves that, uh, Work to President Trump's advantage. Man, it's so cool that wow. two Elmer Fudd lookalikes can get together on a Zoom <laughs> call and be so nice to each other. I mean, with a listener like this, it's so great for praying medic. The guy's just going to go, oh, really? And he's been oh. listening to medic for years say the exact opposite. Absolutely incredible. One of the big contentions of QAnon was, oh, they're calling us disinformation, but it's not true. And now you're saying it was disinformation. Fantastic. And you've got like a bunch of books <laughs> that you sold from the position that if you decoded the Q drops properly, uh, that you would know the truth. And now it's just, oh, well, all the arrests were, uh, you know, to get the enemy to play their hand. It's just yeah. like, that's so less, it's so sticky. It's less sticky. This is like prophecy fails, evangelical ballerina work. Yeah. He's incredible. He's beautiful. Now, while researching this episode, I dug into some old streams from Praying Medic, and I found one from years ago where he said that if arrests don't happen soon, then he'll be concerned. I have no reason not to trust Barr at this point. Now, you know, I'll say this. If we get to March or April of next year and no one's been indicted <laughs> and there's been no arrests and nothing's happening, um, I would start to get I would start to get concerned. And and look, here's the bottom line. If Barr is not able to Drop the hammer on the deep state. Trump will fire him and hire somebody who will. That's why I'm not worried about it. If Barr ends up not being able to pull the trigger, he's out of there and Trump's going to hire somebody who will. It's that simple. Trump is not going to let the deep state get the best of him. It ain't going to happen. So I'm not worried about it. Yeah, you started getting worried when the arrests weren't happening because you're going to have to spin this. Yeah. That's obviously your worry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really not a shocking revelation that Praying Medic is like, I guess, inconsistent. I mean, it shows you the way that being a QAnon influencer works. It's like, it's improvisational. You go with the flow, you know? It's like you can make promises that things are going to happen soon or at least imply that things ought to happen soon. And then when if it doesn't, you can just lean back on, on well, this information is necessary and everything is just sort of like it's vapor it's meaningless it you don't have to you know be concrete because all you're delivering is a vibe rather than anything that has to do with actually analyzing the world and trying to help people make sense of it i'm just glad that we have you know another great episode about this super cool topic that's going to get everyone to be pissed off and write in for a variety of different reasons it leaves us uh, more confused and uh almost ambivalent about the whole thing it's just yeah. great stuff more mud let's rolling it yeah. i think what's certain here is that nobody is getting what they want so the real move here the people who thrive in these moments are people who still pretend they got what they want yes that's a really good point i totally agree and if those people are popular and they have a big platform then what they're going to do is you know convince other people that what they see is is actually not the case but my analysis is what's real and it just puts us in a very dark place in terms of misinformation and especially as we're about to enter a new election cycle, you know, 2016, once again, you know, it's just like, I yeah. don't know, it's, it's just very disheartening. It's hard to find anything to really like hold on to and a piece of reality that you can actually tether yourself to other than like, eh, 
eh, this didn't really say what we wanted and, and, or, or actually it did. I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's so, just makes me feel like such, like such nothing. I think that we should wear full body condoms like in that Devo video and just writhe on a table at the center of this panopticon, letting the different shining lights, the different, you know, narratives reflect off our, our, our body as it works up sweat. Interestingly, January 6th defendants are already beginning to cite the Durham report in their defenses for their, you know, their participation in uh, the Capitol riot. Take, for example, defendant Alan Hostetter. Alan Hostetter was a one-time Orange County, California sheriff and police chief in La Habra, California. After he retired from that job due to spinal problems, he got deep into yoga and meditation, and he later became famous due to an event called Fedskate in which he protested COVID restrictions in San Clemente, California by grabbing onto a fence and refusing to let go. And this resulted in police officers cutting around the fence in order to remove his hands and arrest him. We first saw Alan Hostetter in person in 2020 when we saw him speak at QCon in Scottsdale, Arizona. Unsurprisingly, Alan Hostetter was arrested for his participation in January 6th. He's currently representing himself in the case. Not a good idea. You're entitled to an attorney. You should take advantage of it. But he uh, recently filed a bizarre motion that includes a lot of like QAnon-style leading questions. But uh, he also got into the Durham report. So here's what he had to say about the Durham report. With the recent release of the Durham report, even stalwart liberals such as Jake Tapper of CNN are now making comments such as the report is, quote, devastating for the FBI and, quote, exonerates Trump to a degree. I am pleased to finally see the truth coming out about this and expect this truth will get much worse for the left and the FBI in particular. Conservatives have been talking about these truths with each other for years now and wondering when the so-called Durham report would ever be completed. Many of us wondered if the man identified as John Durham even existed. God has placed angels on this earth to deal with the issues of crime, punishment, and accountability. I retired many years ago as one of these peacekeepers, as Christ called us when he blessed us long ago. I do believe there are likely still many, many good guys and gals wearing badges and uniforms within the federal government, especially the military. I believe these people are quite aware of how deep this corruption goes and are taking steps to correct it. Most of these steps are currently not yet visible, just as the Durham report was not visible until 515. The Durham report is only the beginning. Winning. We're all yeah. winning. Yeah. So that was very, very strange. So the idea that the Durham report is only the beginning it has been echoed by a lot of other QAnon followers. For example, this is what uh, Lisa May Crowley said on Twitter. The Durham report is just the start. Re- public awareness of corruption at the highest levels, the foundation on which many layers will be built. Human trafficking, Haiti, corruption, etc. Durham is not the only game in town. Ugh. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're winning, actually, and they're just getting started. Fucking five years later, don't you worry. Yeah, my, my entire frustration in this episode can be summed up as this. It's so tiring. It's so exhausting to see everyone pretending like they're winning when we are all losing. Mm-hmm. I mean, so a lot of QAnon followers are either going to be, like, disappointed or give up. Maybe there are a minority of people who will do that. We'll see if they actually, you know, allow their failed prophecy to allow them to reconsider their beliefs this time. It happens rarely, but it happens occasionally. But, of course, the majority will just take this 
this attack that actually Durb is just beginning. And I would say that, honestly, I'm glad all the investigations happened. I'm glad that Crossfire Hurricane and Mueller and um, the Horowitz investigation and the Senate Intel Committee investigation into, like, Russian activities and the Durham investigation. So we could go ahead and say that for at least official government-sanctioned investigations, everyone's been investigated. Like, no one can say that these issues, these sort of these questions have not been examined by, um, by at least internally by government entities. And so hopefully we can stop believing that there's going to be some sort of secret government investigation that will blow the lid off of everything. That's done now, at least for the events of like 2016 and beyond. We got to stop believing that there's going to be some sort of secret, super incredible in investigation that's going to have everything make sense because it's not going to make sense because life doesn't make sense. And um, so we need to like just start working with the information we have already and start writing the history books. Oh, man. That is probably the most sarcastic thing you've ever said. It's 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 dark, man. This is dark, Travis. Yeah, Travis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all fine and well until the next round of special counsels. Then it'll be a new thing. We've got Jack Smith coming up. You know, we've oh, got um, yeah. whoever the Republican committee selects next as their uh, special counsel for uh, Joe Biden. I hear Randy Rainbow is going to be executed in the Hague. <laughs> We need to start new, new hopes, yeah. new investigations. You know what would solve this? What? If we put together a big shadowy, like kind of top government organization called, um, uh, let's see, perception management. Okay. And then we could kind of manage the perception of the population so they don't fall for this wrong information. They only go for the good information. So if we could just put that together and uh, maybe do some, yeah, backroom dealings, I'm sure that would clarify everything for everyone and people will feel comfortable. Yeah, we should just get rid of the ability to look stuff up on Google. It's useless <laughs> anyway. I can't figure out why my new monitor doesn't stop flicking black. I agree, and this, this is why we should all be replaced instead with chat GPT. Just ask them, who's more corrupt, the FBI or Trump? And then whatever the answer it spits out, yeah, that's what's true. I think we need a new panel on American activities, and I think we need to examine why Americans are willing to make chat GPT the president over Xi Jinping, who's just as cool. Yeah, I guess the sort of like catch 22 here is like, yes, I trust a government appointed investigator to like get to the bottom of the truth. But I also believe that if, you know, there was government officials doing actual bad things that they would find a way to cover it up. <laughs> you know, you're you're never going to be satisfied. It's always there's always going to be somebody else that is going to tell you, you know, that the correct the correct outcome to believe. It's like we're being shown our new apartment and it smells like vomit. And you know what? Shut up about that. Live your life. That smell is here to stay. Get some Febreze for your justice. Do not write in about this episode. Especially not to Jake. Uh, but if you do, definitely to Jake. You can write into Travis all you want. Don't write into anybody except Jake. Jake is the only person on this podcast. No, 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 no. I am not equipped. I am not equipped to answer your questions. But you're the softest mark. Like you will like answer, but they tricked you. They they used uh, facts and logic on you to trick you into doing it. In fact, I've I didn't even realize it, but my phone is in my hand and I'm responding to critics right now. <laughs> How did that happen? Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and sub for five bucks a month to get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. And if you're already a subscriber, thank you so much. It helps us stay advertising free and editorially independent. We also have a website, QAnonAnonymous.com. Listener, until next week, may whichever special counsel you prefer bless you and keep you. 
It's not a conspiracy. It's fact. And now, today's auto cue. The person who was at the Capitol that day, as you know, was your vice president, Mike Pence, who says that you endangered his life on that day. I don't Do think he feel, was in any danger. Mr. President, do you feel that you owe him an apology? No, because he did something wrong. He should have put the votes back to the state legislatures, and I think we would have had a different outcome. I really do. But he doesn't have the authority to do that, as you know. What? The vice president does not have the authority to okay, reject those Are you ready? Let's have this one results. out just now, because it's interesting. Let's keep it interesting, right? <laughs> I like Mike Pence very much. He's a very fine man. He's a very nice man. He made a mistake. His lawyer said, you cannot move. I called him the human conveyor belt. I said, even if the votes, you mean, I talked to his lawyer, even if the votes are absolutely fraudulent, he can't say, yes, sir, he can't say, but, and the Democrats played it and the rhinos played it. And then the election was over. They told him he couldn't do it. And Mike said to me, I can't do it. The lawyers told me he can't do it. They can't do it. But the lawyers were wrong because right after the election, they all met, the rhinos and the Democrats, and they worked out a plan to make sure that future vice presidents don't do you could do. That's not what happened. You're referring to the Electoral Count Act. I've read, I've read that. There is, there is no authority. No, legal experts, me. including Republican legal experts, say that he does not have that authority, Mr. Caitlin, President. But I want to why did on. they change the law then, saying that you can't do it? They didn't change the law. They strengthened the law because they were worried about oh, presidents exploiting. Oh, they strengthened exploding. it, meaning you could do it. Thank that's, you. That's not what it means. Thank you. They strengthened the Mike law because they were worried. Mike had the right to do it. They. Uh, convinced him he didn't, and it was a horrible thing for our country. If you would have sent those votes back to Georgia, Pennsylvania, and other states, Wisconsin, which if you look at Wisconsin, they virtually admitted now that the election was rigged. If they you would have, have sent those that, votes back to many of those states, they would not come back in the affirmative. And remember what I said, and you just said it pretty much, you admitted what I said was right. They said not. he didn't have the right to do it, and he did have the right to do it, and that's why they changed the law, taking that right away. I should note that your campaign paid for a recount that happened in Wisconsin. It actually had more votes for President Biden by the end of it, by the end of it, by the end of it.